Hello and welcome to today's episode of Shooting the Shit. If you are watching us on Facebook, welcome along. Please do leave us a comment and have a chat with us whilst we're talking. If you are listening to us on uh, a podcast, hello. This is only uh, one of our first new episodes that are going live on a podcast and simultaneously on Facebook Live. So bear with us whilst we get used to it. So Shooting the Shit for the Uninitiated is a feminism plus business channel. So we talk about all things to do with women and feminism, but we try and put a little bit of a business slant on it and uh, try and put the those issues of feminism into the context of the workplace. So today we are talking about eating disorders in the workplace. So first of all, uh, we will do introductions. We will introduce ourselves. So Joe, what's your name and where'd you come from? Uh, hello, thank you, Rachel. I'm Joanne Grant. Um, I'm originally from Leicester. I live in Surrey and I work as an editorial coach. And you are one of our core shooting the shitters, aren't you? Or shitters, as your husband calls us. Yeah, which distresses me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a lot worse. could be a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, Terry, what's your name and where'd you come from? I'm Terry. <laughs> I live in Longridge and I run Route 9 Studios, a commercial film and video production company. Fabulous. And you are today's guest, aren't you? I am. <laughs> Marvellous. Um, and Hannah Weinhold, who are you breaking clients' websites? I'm not, nothing of the sort. Hello, I'm Hannah <laughs> Weinhold. I'm the director of Grow Traffic and one of the founders of Shooting the Shit. Yeah, and I'm Rachel, also from Grow Traffic, also a founder of Shooting the Shit, also a feminist. Uh, so, as I said, today we are talking about eating disorders. Now, facts and figures, what I did research before we came live. So, approximately 1.25 million people in the UK suffer from an eating disorder, which is actually just a phenomenal statistic. Now, there's some um, there's some uh, uh, murkiness around that figure, purely because a lot of people will suffer from an eating disorder and will never actually divulge that fact to anyone. They won't go and see the doctor. They won't do anything about it. They will just suffer alone in silence. Um, but yeah, they estimate 1.25 million people, which is just phenomenal. And that that um, they, they split some of these statistics down. You can find these on, on the internet, but they split them down into age groups. And actually, a phenomenal amount of children nowadays suffer from eating disorders. So they split those statistics into girls and boys under 11, 11 to 18, and then over. And the figures are just absolutely terrifying. In fact, they, they estimate that 0.5% of teenage girls suffer from a, a, an eating disorder, which I know 0.5 doesn't sound like a massive amount, but actually that's an awful lot of teenage teenage girls when you think about it. Um, so funnily enough, bulimia is the most common eating disorder at, at a rate of about two to one people will suffer from bulimia as opposed to anorexia. But there are, of course, other eating disorders, which we will go on to talk about in a minute. So the first thing I want to ask you is, what is your relationship with food? So Joe, you went first before. Tell me again, what is your relationship with food? Um, I love food. But I also have a, um, I believe, how do I put this? I have a lot of guilt around food and a lot of control issues around food, which I wish I didn't have. And it's only in recent years I've realized that that's probably not normal or healthy. And how long have you suffered like that? Is that has that been as long as you can remember? Uh, yes, definitely, definitely has become more of a thing oh i don't know like late 20s into my 30s but there's definitely been different times in my life where there's been 
like little things. But I miss the days when I could just chomp down on a bowl of cheesy chips in the student union and not actually worry too much. <laughs> yeah. And when you say you have issues around controlling food, is that is that limiting? You you limit the amount you are allowed to eat. It's a, it's controlling what I eat. So I get I get somewhat anxious if I'm not in control of what my meals are going to be. And, you know, that involves being invited around friends for lunch or going out for meals. I suddenly am like, oh, I'm not going to be in control. So it's around that. And I suppose that's that, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting that because I was watching uh, I was watching a documentary. Um, I think it was on the iPlayer the other night, and it was about um, an Instagrammer who one of the first Instagrammers. She was called uh, Bell Gibson, funnily enough, not Mel Gibson, Bell Gibson. Uh, and apparently, she was like an Instagram fraudster in the wellness field. And they were interviewing a lot of the women who followed her, and they were all women uh, who'd followed her sort of wellness path. She claimed that she had incurable cancer and that eating healthy had, had made better basically and it was all proven to be a big fraud uh, but a lot of the women on there that they, they had um issues around food but it was about eating healthy it was exactly that it wasn't like limiting calories or even binging it was that they were obsessed with eating the right food and it had to be healthy food and everything had to have fewer than five ingredients and so it's it's really apparent that you know eating disorder is not just starving yourself it comes in all forms doesn't it yeah um terry What's your relationship with food? Uh. <laughs> no, it's really funny. It's really sad, actually, when you said before that so many of the facts and figures show that it's children. I remember I when I was a little one, like I'm talking four, five, six years old at birthday parties, I used to accidentally drop my food that I got from the buffet in the grass so I wouldn't have to eat it because I didn't like eating in front of people. It's just ridiculous. I don't know where that came from. Like, where does a, a seven-year-old get that from? But... It's just so sad, isn't it? And it's like you were saying yeah. before, there's more than just anorexia. Anorexia restrictive sort of, that's what I've suffered with in the past. You know, I would consider myself recovered now for all intents and purposes, at least physically so. Um, but the mental effects, they don't really leave, um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just horrible, isn't it? And so many people suffer with it. I've got friends that I had no idea suffered with it. You, I would look at my friends and I'd be jealous of their relationship with food because I'd be like, gosh, they're so fit and healthy and beautiful and they don't have to worry about this at all. And then come to find out, oh, no, actually, they're tracking every calorie and they're, you know, it's just silly. There's so much of it and it, none of it gets talked about. It's true, actually, because somebody put a comment on the on the chat that we were having in shooting the shit in the Facebook group on, over the weekend and said that they just found out recently that one of their friends has been suffering with, uh, I think, bulimia for, for years and they never picked it up. And, and, and I said you wouldn't because it's so normal amongst women that we just count mm -hmm. every calorie or we're constantly on yeah. a diet and it's just part of that everyday yeah. conversation. Isn't exactly. It? Like hearing your friend talk about being on a diet. Or like counting calories. Oh no, mm. gotta go to the gym and burn off that burger. You just sort of go, huh, yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. Like, yeah. when when does that cross the line into obsessiveness? It's it's so hard to put your finger on. It is. And and so it's so, sorry. Go on, Hannah. Sorry. It's so secretive by nature, mm. isn't it? And just yeah. not. It's just swept under the carpet that yeah, you wouldn't necessarily talk to your your best friend or your sister or whatever about that because there is so much shame that goes with it. Yeah, and I suppose the nature of trying to control so much what you eat sorry that's marable dog that um <laughs> that like that the shame goes with that so you know not necessarily the shame about eating just the shame about everything <laughs> and yeah. so 
you wouldn't talk and about i think there's it. a big misconception that eating disorders are all about appearances and about how you look like that's such a big misconception and there's so many other eating disorders as well on the spectrum like you say it's not just restrictive there's binge eating disorder that so often goes undiagnosed because people don't believe that that oh, some people don't recognize that as a, a real mental disorder they think that people are just being lazy and it's like no you've no idea what they're suffering with um and it's just it's just silly i keep saying that over and over again but when you just look at it like how stupid are we all that this you know takes over our lives but it's a mental condition yeah. and i think yeah. until we start recognizing it as such that it's not just i want to be skinny and look like the models on the magazines that's part of it for a lot of people i'm sure but for me it was all about control and it was all about you know if someone was mean to me especially at work like if i had a bad day at work and somebody wasn't listening to me it was a haha well you can't make me eat <laughs> oh, really? yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go home and i'm not gonna eat my tea and you can't make me like yeah, do you know what? So I, I had an eating disorder. I was, I was anorexic when I was, uh, well, probably like 13, 14, 15. And I went, you know, pictures of, I've got a picture of me uh, in our back, back room. Uh, I'm riding a horse. I'm at a show. And you can literally see every, uh, like all of my hip bone is sticking out because I'm so thin. Uh, but uh, that was because that started when my parents, when our parents were getting divorced. And, and it was absolutely that. It was like, I cannot mm. control any other thing in my life, but I can control what I put in my mouth and what I can eat and then that started I mean this was in the 90s you know when heroin chic was in and I remember it started with being obsessive about counting calories and what I would eat and we went to the gym every single night and you know it started off ostensibly being about health but what it turned into was you know I've just got to stop eating and that's the only way I can control it and and yeah. eating is still now to this day a massive thing of control for me I, I will normally only eat one meal a day between the hours of four and eight and I congratulate myself that I've fasted you know and fasting is good for you and fasting regenerates cells and you know and there is good science behind there that is. that's not bollocks yeah. um, but I know at heart, no, no matter what story I put on top of that, I know at heart, to me, I have a sense of satisfaction when I have not eaten anything for 20 hours mm -hmm. and I feel like I've achieved something and I've controlled something that day. Yeah, and it's like you say, it's so difficult because there are benefits to fasting. I've got an insulin resistance, so fasting really helps me. So that mm -hmm. kind of, if I'm not careful, that gives me a built-in excuse. <laughs> and, you know, like because I suffer with PCOS, so I've got to watch my sugar intake. And I was saying to Mike, I was like, I've got to be so careful because I can use that as an excuse not to eat when we go out. And I can, yeah. eat. if I'm like in a really bad mindset and I'm just not feeling 100%, you won't know that I'm just, yeah. that I'm just using that as an excuse. So, you know, he has, he has to kind of watch me sometimes and be like, right, okay, can we just take a step back here? What's, what's causing this? Are you okay? Mm, yeah. That's really I, Hannah, go on. What's your, what's your relationship with food? Well, I was just going to say, Rach, I remember when we were kids, like if you ever had an argument with mum, your dinner would go in the bin. Like you would you would put your dinner in the bin and that was like your way of getting back at her, that like you were going to eat your dinner and stuff. Anyway, so that's enough about your weirdness. My weirdness is uh, <laughs> um, I feel like I have quite a healthy relationship with food. I don't, feel, I don't necessarily have a healthy relationship with my body, but um, I will pretty much eat what I like. And what I like to eat is healthy food. I don't like to eat processed food because of all the shit that goes into it. And I don't really like 
like contributing to the capitalist regime of feeling like you have to eat bread that's not going to go out of date for 10 days and shit. Um, so like I try, <laughs> it, this, well, it, it's a long story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I try and eat, like I suppose, clean, as clean as possible. But then, you know, if I want uh, two cakes after my tea, I'll have two cakes after my tea. <laughs> and if I want to eat like an entire punnet of cherries in half an hour, I will do. And if I don't want to eat, I won't. Not that that has ever happened. But and I never, <laughs> and I try not to feel guilty about it. Um, and if I do feel guilty about it, then I try and remind myself that it is only food. It is only sustenance. I'm not you know, shoving McDonald's in my face every day and mm -hmm. I exercise and I cook all my meals from scratch, although I have had a cup of soup for lunch, but, um, you know, I, I will have a healthy dinner. So I try not to beat myself up about it and I eat healthily for health reasons, not for thin reasons. But yeah. having said that, I have been on a, a diet, I suppose, my entire life. I've always restricted what I've eaten. Um yeah. Well, so I want to come on to this actually because uh, you said just before Terry, you know, where do we, where does kids pick this mm -hmm. up from? Where do, where do we get this from? And yeah, we've got the subliminal messages coming at us from the magazines. Of course we have. But Gemma's made a comment. So hi, Gemma, um, uh, saying she was talking about her friend. She was a person I was mentioning just now, and she said her daughter, who is now thirteen, also struggles with food. Now, Hannah, our our mum was very thin, like model really tall really thin really? Our, our nan was really thin and thinness was very much um the the goal in our family wasn't it and you were not by any stretch fat you just weren't quite as thin as them and so mum put you on a diet probably from about the age of three and that mm. was constant that was a constant narrative of your childhood no she didn't do it maliciously like she was genuinely trying to do the best thing she didn't want you to get bullied and blah 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 whatever it was but that's always been that narrative so yeah you know you have been put under this pressure to be thinner and eat healthy and, and be on a diet all your life. Terry, where you know, you you remember being like that as a child. Yeah. Do you remember anybody in your family? You know, where would that have come from? <laughs> oh, I know where that came from. But it's, it's again, there's no maliciousness behind it, is there? But like my mum's always on a diet, my sister was always on a diet. So I was always on a diet. It's just what you yeah. do. You're a woman, you yeah. don't want to diet. Yeah, and it's so it's so damaging. And like I it have is. two daughters, one of them is nine, and so she's old enough to kind of like really old enough to look at her body now and think, you know, I'm a fat, is this right? Do I look right? Um so I'm always really careful that I never say in front of her. I feel fat or this yeah. does this make me look fat or like oh I'm being good I try not to say oh I'm being yeah. good which I do say a lot I never say oh I'm dieting if she says like you know like like I've just had a baby well I'm not just she's like 10 months old but and and I need to lose that weight and I'll say to her I need to lose that weight because it's unhealthy to carry that level of fat around with you because it puts pressure on your organs and because it does this this and this and so I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat healthily and that's how I'm going to do it and hopefully that go you know that's taken on board by it but I think now it is just sneaking in how every like how society is and she's starting to pick up on yeah you know but to play devil's fat. advocate for a minute hannah you might not actively say to her you know we need to be thin as women blah 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 but all she sees you doing is being healthy you know trying to lose weight exercising constantly so you know those messages come through subliminally don't they yeah 
Joe, yeah. do you remember from your childhood? Is this something that your Oh, Joe? sorry, you just, you just froze there. No, I probably froze in response. Okay, so, <laughs> so I definitely remember knowing that some foods were bad. So, like, if, if they were going down the chippy, I would be like, I don't like the chips. I, like, I don't like chips because I knew they were unhealthy. Mm. Um, but also, I really, I think I became more so, like I said, probably in my late of probably as my mum went on to Weight Watchers constantly <laughs> for like over 20 years and I think about it and I said that to her recently I was like for heaven's sake mum you've been doing this for 20 years and she's like no I haven't I was like you were doing it before I met Oliver and we've been together 20 years now and she was like oh and the narrative in our family you know it, it does it, it gets to you but it probably was more as I've never been overweight. I've never had an issue with my weight, yet I, you know, always thought I should be slimmer or my thighs should have less cellulite and that I could control the food. And it was very much, and still is a joke in the family about the size of my bum and how I've got the family big bum. So there's all, there was always comments about body and weight and size. I remember my brother telling me, I, I'm a tall girl, and I went through that stage that many of us were going, oh, wouldn't it? People come up to me and think I'm a model because I'm so tall. And my brother just said to me, your thighs are too fat to be a model. And I was yeah. about 13 or 14 at the time. So, so yeah. But he would have from my family. It's absolutely insidious, isn't it? And, I mean, if we go back to that message that, you know, good housewives, I mean, even you can read this now on the internet, can't you, about the, the guide to being a good housewife and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, women were given speed in the 50s and 60s in order to help oh, them lose weight. And, oh, you know, God, I wish we could do that again. I know, yeah, can you imagine? Some drugs. <laughs> Not only would we be thin, but our houses would be clean as well. <laughs> we'd be so happy, fuck the cleaning. We'd be so happy, yeah, we'd be so happy if only we were all drugs on thinner you see this is i mean this is, we're joking but that is the narrative that women were given yeah. for such a long time and that that drip feeds down um one thing i do on it i don't want us to give the impression though that, that this is just a women's issue because i, I do think yeah. that's one of the big misconceptions about eating disorders i know we are on a feminism channel i get that uh, but the patriarchy is as damaging to men as it is to women and somebody was making a comment on on saturday when we were chatting in the group about um, they had they knew a young lad who went to the doctors he wasn't eating he was starving himself and the GP said to him like you can't possibly be anorexic because only teenage girls are anorexic and not boys and this is again this is how damaging this narrative is isn't it that you know girls have got to be thin and boys have got to be muscly you know actually that stress and that pressure is on boys just as much as it's yeah. on girls isn't it and especially when you consider that it is at its core a lot of the times a control thing like that explains it. Like it's not just teenage girls that want to be in control of their lives. That can affect everybody. It can manifest itself in so many ways. And this is just one of those ways that, and it can affect anybody. Mm. And again, this is this is another one of the big uh, misconceptions. And this is why I think a lot of people find it really hard to deal with, particularly anorexia, because they say, oh, just eat, just stop being silly and just eat. And actually, it isn't it isn't about food, is it? It's, it is about control. And, it, and that fundamentally comes down to mental health. And if we don't, you know, as a society start tackling mental health as this giant pandemic that we're trying to deal with at the minute, not the COVID one, the mental health one, um, you know, we've we're going to keep coming back to this and 
you know, especially I think with all the pressures that young kids have been under, you know, they've been missing exams, they've not been in school, they've been isolated. Now with the COVID pandemic, you know, I think the mental health pandemic is going to hit us with a double whammy, yeah. isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So uh, just a quick sort <clears> of, uh, I, I, we were supposed to about five minutes ago, um, do a quick introduction about what the what the differences are between the different eating disorders. And I do just want to recap on it because I think it's worthwhile. So somebody tell me what anorexia is. It's restrictive. It's you don't eat or you've eat very little. It's calorie based. A lot of the time there's things that people don't quite understand as well, which is a big misconception is it's not always about the lowest calorie foods. A lot of anorexias will have anorexics, sorry, will have safe foods and fear foods. And people don't realize that like for me, like bananas were like a really safe food because I understood a banana was roughly X amount of calories. But to a lot of other people with anorexia, they're fear food that they'll avoid at all costs. So just because you see somebody eating a burger or eating chocolate doesn't mean that they're not anorexic because anorexics only eat lettuce. Like it's it all, it comes down to how they interpret that, you know, and the things that you eat don't reflect that. It, that's also again about control, isn't it? Because it's like, is exactly what you said. You know how many calories are in a certain thing. Like you know how many calories are in a bag of crisps. You know how many calories are in a block of chocolate. So you can eat mm -hmm. that and understand how much you've had. Yeah. Whereas if someone put like a roast dinner in front of you, you yeah. wouldn't know how many calories are in that. So that's not a, a like say a safe thing to eat, yeah. is it? Exactly. Um, okay, somebody tell me what bulimia is. Pot quiz. Uh, pur uh, purging your body. Yeah, bulimia is is over periods of of starving, but not to the same level of a, as an anorexic. But then um, overeating, having periods of binge eating, and then usually making yourself sick, or sometimes taking laxatives, some way mm -hmm. of getting that food or out over exercising. I don't know if yeah. that falls under bulimia specifically, but a lot of people will just over exercise to to yeah. counteract I, I get the, well, the lines blur don't they across all of yeah. these different the lines do blur but yeah bulimia is very much so where you're right anorexia is is don't take in as many calories bulimia is you can take the calories in but you've got to do something to get the calories yeah. out again and that's and that's i think why it's so much more common why there are kind of twice as many bulimics to anorexics because it has a wider definition, more people fall into it. Um, and so then because of that, we also have all of these these eating disorders that are around the edges, which are overeating, which again, you know, Peter, several people were talking about that the weekend. Overeating is as much of an eating disorder as undereating is. Um, and, and that's a massive, and lots of people comfort eat, don't they? And, and will have, you know, food as a reward system. So I have been good and therefore I can now eat this humongous plate of chips because that is my yeah. reward. And that's as dangerous as having alcohol mm -hmm. as your reward or heroin or whatever, isn't it? Maybe chips and are I think, quite as dangerous as heroin. <laughs> no, but I think like with, with any, I think with any addiction, it goes to the point where it's controlling or damaging your life or your ability yeah. to live a healthy life. And, you know, it's not just everyone says, oh, you know, I've had a shit day, so I'll have a glass of wine or I'll have a bar of chocolate or whatever. Mm. But it, but overeating and binge eating goes to the extent of you're unable to control it. It's yeah. like it's an intrusive thought. And and that's the point, isn't it? You know, it, it, it all of these things, beginners control, beginners you controlling it and what you end up with is, is it yeah. controlling you and you lose absolutely all control over it. And mm -hmm. that's when, you know, you become really ill. Um, okay, we've talked about kind of what it is and, and how we feel about it quite a lot. 
um, what I would like to come on to now is how do we deal with this? You know, whether we are employees or employers or we know somebody, we work with somebody who's got an eating disorder. Um, mm. how, how is the best way of going a, 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 about it? I mean, Terry, you said you were you were suffering with an eating disorder when you were in the workplace. How, how was it dealt yeah. with, with you? Well, it wasn't necessarily dealt with because I was keeping it very under wraps. I was very good at hiding what I was and wasn't doing. But one thing that I think is really important is just please stop commenting on your coworkers' food because you've got no idea. Like I remember I used to allow myself very specific foods. And one thing I used to eat every morning was saurine because it was like high calorie-ish, but I could eat it, I could have a little bit of it, and then I'd be fine till lunchtime. And then I'd have a cup of soup or a salad, and then I'd go home and I'd have something small and that would be it. That would be what I'd eat all day. And a coworker made a comment in jest about, gosh, she eats cake for breakfast because it was saurine. So then I stopped mm. eating my saurine in the morning because of that comment. And that was probably a third of my daily calories. And I stopped yeah. because somebody had made a joke that I was eating cake for breakfast and I couldn't I couldn't handle that in the mindset I was in. So I just stopped eating it, I stopped taking it. And then they'd also make comments like, gosh, I wish I, wish I was as good as you that I could just eat a plain salad or just a cup of soup for lunch. And that kind of spurred me on. <laughs> but yes. like, that's so bad. <laughs> Like that wasn't no, even strong and something to attain, like to aim for. That was me eating nothing and you rewarding yeah. me and praising me for it. And like people would make comments like, you know, when there's like biscuits in the staff room, like, gosh, I wish I could be more like you. You never take the biscuits that are in the staff room. You never take the cakes in the staff room. And it just encouraged me. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I had it the other way. Like I used to just have a cup of soup for lunch. I'd have nothing all day. Then I'd have a cup of soup for lunch and then that'd be it until then I'd have my tea mm. and then that'd be it. And then, um, I mean, it wasn't an eating disorder. I just wanted to be thin. <laughs> and then it wasn't, no, I mean, like it wasn't control. It was yeah. just a shit diet. It wasn't an eating disorder. It yeah. was a shit diet. And there's a really important difference. Um, but people would say to me like, you cannot just have that. You cannot, you must eat something more. You can't just have that for your dinner. And I think, you know, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Stop commenting on what other people are eating. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's that. hard, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to no, I, I've had that all my life as well because, well, since being like 14 because I've been a vegetarian. And, again, people think think it's all right to comment on your food if you're a vegetarian and like, just mm -hmm. say, you're not having a pork chop with that. And you're like, oh, my God, why are you – and even now I've got issues with, like, if, I, if I'm if i eating something in the kitchen, Dali quite, you know, unobtrusively will come in and say, oh, you're having some toast. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it really – I'm like, oh, don't yeah. comment you on it. You are super I'm, defensive about what you eat. Yeah, I really am. I really am. And but I just don't want to – that comes from somewhere, doesn't it? it? That, that yeah, comes yeah. from something. That's not just something we're doing as like a quirk. Like that really does it hits us somewhere that we don't quite understand, and it yeah. kind of enrages us. <laughs> yeah, I think as well, also, like it's a, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm eating. Yeah, don't look at me while I'm eating. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think as well, like the language that we use around food has to change. Like Joanne was saying, like you know, I knew that some foods were bad, and you know. Terry, you saying, you know, soaring is good because it's high in calories and it keeps me going. You know, we need to get out of this. No food is bad. Yeah. Like just some food is less healthy than others. And like oh, the whole know, kind of. Watchers. Sorry, oh, Weight Watchers. Oh, yeah, they call it Oh, yeah. they? 
Oh, have yeah, they? they've rebranded. So they had this. They had the thing that they had the sins and they had the good food and the bad food, the red mm -hmm. and the whatever. And they have recently rebranded and said they're going to stop calling them sins. I don't know whether they have oh, on the planet good. or not. Um, because they, they don't want this mentality. Of, I mean, they're still fucking Weight Watchers, aren't they? They're still the whole raison <laughs> d'etre is to make us thinner. You're right, Joe. Yeah, they've re they've even rebranded to yeah. take that out. So they are WW. They don't have sin foods anymore. Yeah, they're trying to. So I suppose at least that's a little bit of mm. responsibility there, isn't it? Although by the same token, they're still happy to take your mum's money for twenty years, Joe. And I presume she's not got that much thinner. <laughs> well, she, she has, and then she puts it back on again. Yeah. And then so it yeah. goes round the loop. And to be fair, I, I did Weight Watchers very recently, and I really skinnied down. And like for all the reasons it was the control i, re I really enjoyed having the structure and the control yeah. um i was i was a five two diet for years that really was my lifestyle so it got to the point my friends would know because they'd go oh do you want to come out for lunch or is it a not eating day and i'm like it's not it's not a not eating day yeah. you know yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's just, quite sad isn't it we let food dictate so no. much our social lives I yeah. know. it's like really at, tough. at the worst of it like even now it's kind of a struggle if i'm feeling feeling fat like fat isn't a feeling for a start but we say that don't we if i'm mm -hmm. feeling fat and i can't find an outfit that i'm comfortable in and i've got an event to go to i'll just be like do i really want to go do i want to go and see yeah. my friends and have fun and be social because <laughs> i feel fat <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And do you know what as well? So uh, Samara, again, who commented and, and Sherry's commented here on this thread and said a similar thing. So Samara was saying at the weekend that she went out for tea. She had a lovely night. She wore a dress. She didn't give a shit what she looked like. She had a great time. And, and had she been doing that a few years ago, she would have spent the week, you know, dieting and counting calories and restricting yeah. herself so that she could go out and eat. And Sherry's just said, you know, now she purposely doesn't think about it or limiting yeah. her eating because it just makes her miserable. And so you're absolutely right. There's something, you know, that we independently need to reach this mindset of yeah. actually, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go out and see my friends and, and you know, enjoy myself. But okay. So a couple of things then. We are running out of time. Time is marching on. Time is marching on. Time is marching so, on. So how to deal with these things in the workplace? You know, first of all, think about your colleagues. Don't comment on their food. Secondly, if we all start to think a little bit more about language. Um, thirdly, I think it's really important that we are able to talk about it. We mm -hmm. need to bring these conversations out in the open because we've all mentioned, we've all used the word shame at some point yeah. in this conversation. And, you know, it's really important that we bring these conversations out and we are allowed to have them. And I accept that that might not be necessarily with Doris that sits next to you in the office but somebody in your workplace you should be able to have that conversation with and say you know actually this is an issue I'm experiencing what can we do about it Hannah well exactly and I think I think it comes down to being policy driven and being an open forum for talking mm -hmm. about mental health problems I think you know it is a mental health problem and mental health in the workplace has come a long way but that doesn't necessarily incorporate eating disorders and I think a lot of workplace policy Ex, do, like just doesn't exclude eating disorders but isn't including it as a matter of course you know we talk yeah. about depression and anxiety and even OCD and even um like neurodiverse issues like autism you know we talk about these things we have policies for these things we have support mechanisms in place but we don't actively seek out and support uh, we don't actively proactively support colleagues who have got eating disorders or make it known that um that you know it's an, it's okay to talk about it if you want to 
And the point is, if you are silent on something, if you don't openly say this is allowed, it will be assumed that it is not. And so, yeah, as employers, it's absolutely on our, our heads, isn't it, to, to normalise these conversations and to say, you know, yeah, it, 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 there's not necessarily an inclusive list, but if you have an issue, you come and talk to us. You are allowed to broach it. And food is, you know, food is very much a reward in a lot of workplaces. You have Pizza Fridays, you go out for lunch yeah. or, you know, sweets are brought yes. into the office. And maybe, and similarly, now it's getting more common that alcohol is a reward in the workplace. I think we need to get out of the, or just be mindful as employers that that might not be appropriate for everyone, just like yeah. how alcohol isn't appropriate for everyone. Yeah, because it could it's be so really triggering, couldn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's a really good point because, uh, you know, a, a lot of, like we used to have donuts in the workplace. Uh, 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 Tales from the garage, Hannah. We used Tales to have donuts on a Friday. Um, and again, you know, it, it's about having that conversation. If you're going to, you know, that's a lovely treat for most employees. That is going to be a lovely treat to have pizza or donuts or beer on a Friday. But again, it's about having that conversation first and saying, is this actually, is this going to upset somebody? If it is going to upset them, what would you rather we do? What is a, what is a better inclusive thing? And again, you don't have to have that conversation in front of everybody, but you can do it in a sensitive way. You know, send an email around, allow people to contact you confidentially, do it on individual WhatsApps, whatever, but just have that approachable open forum where people can say, actually, that's going to make me uncomfortable. Can we go to the cinema instead? And then, you know, I can sit in the dark and I don't have to eat anything. And I think as well, like there was a, the, um, like people kick back against things like that. Like, oh, it's political correctness gone mad. Oh, we can't bloody say anything now. We can't say Christmas now. We can't even have pizza. We can't have Donut Friday. And I think, you know, it needs to be clear from, from the top that you're an inclusive workplace and you support all your colleagues and um, like intolerance is not tolerated. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what? It's exactly that. I mean, this is what we were saying on the um, on the intersectionality one the other day, isn't it? Everyone will go, oh, no, we can't have donuts because, you know, Barbara's going to get upset about it. But actually, Barbara probably wouldn't mind if you all had donuts. She just doesn't yeah. want you to all sit there going, why aren't you having a donut, yeah. Barbara? <laughs> so That's literally about, it. Yeah, it's not exactly. about saying not you can never have cool. food or talk about food. It's just like... If someone's not eating something, I've had to make up allergies before in the past just because people won't leave me alone. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Sometimes you're just not hungry. <laughs> Can yeah. we just normalise yeah. not being hungry? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's when it's, it's not my eating day it used to come in handy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are just very open about that. But I know when, um, so when I was, you know, the, the, the head of the department and yes food was used as a reward but there became a time and it was a, it was a smallish group so 16 of us all women um and there was it was up for discussion of what what do you want the reward to be when you buy a new author I think it had to go up we used to have book tokens but for whatever reason that had to do away with it was awkward anyway um but it was agreed that, oh no, it was, there was something anyway. I forget the additional reward, but it was in our acquisition meeting every week um, and people voted on this. They just wanted to have the treat of their choice brought for the whole team. And that was a nice way to do it because if your treat of choice actually was a load of fruit, then that's what I'd go out and buy for them. And that's yeah. what we have. And it was more, it was a choice then and it wasn't like forced down your, your throat. Um, and I do remember yeah. the time when we moved from having treats to include healthier snacks if people wanted it. 
So that was a, a little bit of a shift in the right direction. But saying That's that, I, I feel like I was guilty at times of being a feeder because I would show love with food, sadly. Yeah, yeah. So, same here. I am yeah. a feeder. Yeah, yeah, I am a feeder. Yeah. And Especially again, that comes from mum. Well, yeah, I mean, when I was managing a team, I used to always take them bits of chocolate just, you know, as a kind of thank you. And maybe they didn't bloody want it. Well, <laughs> but I do. The yeah. thing is, I, I take food, but I don't sit over people and make them watch it. So it's like, here is food. You know, I will put the food in the middle of the table. You may access as much of it as you want to access. Yeah. And I don't sit there and pile people's plates up and keep saying, go and get something else. Go and get more. It's just, you know, there it yeah. is. Do what you want with it. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a really good point, Joe. So that's how to be inclusive, isn't it? Either if you're having a treat Friday, ask people what treat they want or have it on a rotation. Each Friday, somebody else picks the treat for everybody else to have, you know, and then it's it's fair, isn't it? That, so that's it. It's not about being a misery guts. It's just about thinking about how other people mm -hmm. are feeling and I think above all don't sit there saying to people right now I know that you've got an eating disorder you must eat this you know I'm going to sit here and watch you until you've eaten it and uh, you know because mm. that's just the worst possible thing isn't it mm -hmm. yeah. right there we go we've reached the end of time in fact we've got six minutes over time so thank <laughs> you so much to everybody who is watching on the Facebook live if you are listening on the podcast and you would like to join the conversations on the Facebook Live, what we have talked about nonstop throughout, then you can go to Facebook Shooting the Shit. It's bright pink and bright yellow and you can't miss it. Um, thank you so much, Hannah, Joe and Terry. It has been fantabulous. Hannah, are you waving or do you want to say something? Uh, I was both. Um, oh, I was waving. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anybody does want any help and support on this, you can go to beateatingdisorders.org.uk where there's loads of resources and advice on eating disorders for either yourself or someone that you know. Yes, absolutely. And if anyone wants to chat to us about any of the eating disorders or issues that we've suffered with, you know, we are more than happy to chat to anybody. You can comment or you can contact us individually. Um, that's it. Thanks very much, chaps. I'm going to press the end button. So now we really do need to all wave. One, two, three. Oh. Bye. Bye. Bye.